Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey there this is Jillian on love and I am on a mission to teach people how to completely revolutionize their romantic relationships by transforming the relationship they have with themselves so whether you are in a relationship single or heartbroken I've got you covered I'm Jillian Tarecki certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breath, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's topic is a tough one. It's not an easy topic for me to teach on, but it is so important because ultimately what I am all about is helping all of you have the healthiest relationships with yourself and with others and specifically romantic relationships. And so in the spirit of that, I'm going to talk about the unconscious patterns that we have, particularly when it comes to relating with a lover, with a partner, that makes us less attractive in committed relationships, I don't think it's a mystery that we have to work to keep the passion alive. At least most people do. And it doesn't have to necessarily mean you have to work very hard, but it needs attention because we fall into patterns. We fall into comfort. We fall into certainty. We can easily just if it's a strong relationship from a friendship perspective, we can retreat back into the friendship. And again, it's just, we get comfortable and we get tired and we have households to run and a lot of people have children. And so it's easy for the physical intimacy, the sex and the passion to go by the wayside. And so when we're in particularly a long-term relationship, it means that we have to nurture that part of the relationship. And this is a lot of what I talked about in my episode on sex and sweatpants. So that's the title of that. And it's a metaphor about, you know, if we get the sweatpants, although I love sweatpants and I think they can be very sexy, it's a metaphor for just sort of being so comfortable and that we have to learn in a long-term relationship to balance comfort with discomfort, with with mystery. So that's a very real thing. And often when I or other experts talk about 
sustaining the passionate sexual intimacy part of a relationship. There is, understandably, we put a lot of emphasis on the importance of date nights and of having more sex even when we're tired, you're not in the mood, you can list a lot of different excuses. It's like getting back into the rhythm, forcing yourself to be in the rhythm of having more sex is actually a very healthy thing for couples who want to keep that part of their relationship alive. But what about the sheer pain of no longer feeling that attracted to the person who you were once crazy attracted to? Or the pain of feeling like the person who always really wanted you sexually and physically doesn't seem that interested. Many of us, all of us, but obviously on a spectrum, some of us have more patterns in this area than others, but most of us, if not all of us, have patterns that are unconscious, that we don't even realize is impacting our relationship and our partner. And like I said, it's incredibly painful when we start to feel like the person we're in a relationship with doesn't want us quite the same way. Or if you're, let's say you're not in a relationship, but you're having a hard time sustaining relationships past six months. That can be very painful. And we notice that, you know, I don't know, three months in, six months in, five years in, 10 years in, all of a sudden we start to feel like this person doesn't want us quite the same way. They're not as motivated. They're not as passionate about being around us, about meeting our needs. Maybe they're not receptive to our bids for physical intimacy with them, or they're not initiating Maybe there's a lot of nitpicking and then we will feel totally rejected, not good enough, blame our bodies, blame our noses, or blame them for losing interest. And let's not, again, forget the pain of not feeling as attracted to them and feeling very confused about that, wishing they would act differently, touch us differently be like they used to be, all the while not communicating this, but instead getting trapped in our heads, frustrated, tense, slowly closing off, till eventually losing connection with the partner that we had once felt so connected to. Because hear me when I say this, one of the main reasons why many couples will fight and eventually fall apart is because of a lack of passion, a lack of physical attraction to one another. And it's not that it needs to be so intense all the time, but I'm talking about it going away. Or, you know, a very common story in many long-term relationships is They just settle, they lean back into the friendship part of things and they become like roommates. So this might be (laughs) triggering for some of you because you might be in a situation right now where you're experiencing this from one side or the other. 
you might be experiencing this. You might both both you and your partner might be experiencing this by evidence by the fact the magic has gone out in your relationship. You may have been broken up with before because of this. You may have been told this before. I know for sure I've been in this circumstance. This is me teaching not just from the thousands of people I've worked with, all of whom have had difficulties feeling connected to their partner because of the lack of attraction that happens. But I've also experienced it personally. This episode is brought to you by Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it has actually changed the way I think about food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into basically cold at the push of a button. It's a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no food rotting in my garbage and smelling up the kitchen, which I absolutely cannot stand. And thanks to Lomi, I only have to take out the trash once a week. And it is hassle-free, mess-free experience, which is also extremely important to me. So no more leaking bags. I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I don't have a lawn, but if you have a lawn, you can feed it to your lawn or garden. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane gas. I get to help the environment and also make my life easier. So if you do garden, which is definitely something I want to start doing, all your food scraps, plant clipping, and even those leftovers you forgot in the back of the fridge, go back into your garden, helping you grow more nutritious food right in your backyard. It just feels really good to me to know that I'm creating soil instead of waste I have a basically limitless supply of dirt for my garden, plus I'm helping save the planet. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. So by reducing the amount of food I send to landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the environment, which feels really good. And if you're gardening, the gardening focus for spring and summer, you'll notice that your veggies grow bigger, stronger, and without as much work in the actual garden. So whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is a perfect choice for you. Head to Lomi.com slash onlove and use the promo code onlove to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi, L-O-M-I dot com slash on love and use promo code on love at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. So I'm going to make a list and share a list of the things that we do unconsciously that makes us less attractive to the person who we are in a relationship with and what you can do about it. And I want to just first say this. I want to preface this by saying that you don't have to be perfect all the time to keep passion alive. You don't have to be your best self all the time. You don't have to be performing all the time. You don't have to play that game like you did in the very beginning of the relationship. You don't have to do any of that. But what I'm about to share with you is not about perfection. It's about taking a very important look in the mirror 
and looking at the ways in which we fall back onto very familiar patterns that are just not serving the relationship. And it will give you insight into your partner if you're in a relationship. And if you're not, it'll give you a lot of insight into your former relationships and certainly into your future one. So number one, stress. And those of you who listen to Jillian on Love with any regularity, you know that I talk about this a lot. And I've talked about the impact of stress on relationships from various perspectives. What I want to say today is this, who we become under stress is pretty much the exact opposite of who we really are and thus what really makes us shine. Now, stress is a part of life and there are certain things that happen in life that are really big and really real. No question, you might be going through so much intense stuff, death, miscarriages, loss of job, moving, divorce. I mean, these are real things. And that's why we can't do it alone. We need help. We need systems and practices in place. This is all that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on my episode on mental health. It's why I have some meditations on, you know, Jillian on Love Plus. So, This isn't about feel bad for feeling stress, but it is a wake-up call, if you will, that sometimes we just don't even realize how much our stress is impacting us and therefore the relationship. If we're chronically stressed, whether that's because of a trauma or that's because You just watched your parents be chronically stressed. And so you have a habit of always seeing the glass half empty or always seeing something wrong, or you're just always hyper-reactive to things. Regardless of what the cause of the stress is, if we're chronically stressed, we become a shell of who we are. We become needy, which I will address momentarily. We become emotionally unavailable to ourselves and to our partner because we get so consumed, we get so in our heads. Our bodies become so tense and so stressed. Our jaws hurt. Our shoulders are up by our neck. Our stomach hurts. Our lower back hurts. I mean, it's the exact opposite of what makes us strong and light and magnetic, if you will. And so We all need a little bit of stress to survive, actually, paradoxically. But stress is not what destroys a relationship. It's how we consistently react to the stress of our lives that impacts the relationship. And so we automatically become less attractive. Now, this is, again, I don't want to stress you out, pun intended, that you can never be stressed with the person that you love and they're just going to lose attraction to you. No, that's ridiculous. I'm talking about chronically, consistently bringing stressed out states to the relationship makes it so that we become completely emotionally unavailable, tense, rigid, complaining, negative. None of these things make us attractive. And if it's chronic and consistent, 
then we're bringing this state home to our partner and then expecting, don't you love me anyway? Aren't I amazing anyway? Aren't I beautiful anyway? Don't you find me sexy anyway? And I won't get into it too much here because, again, I have a lot of content here on how to start responding to stress differently and the impact of stress on a relationship. Who you are when you're stressed is not actually who you are. So never over-identify with the stress in your life. It's something that you're experiencing. It's something that you're learning to respond better to. But just notice how it shuts you down and how it impacts your relationship and your partner. Number two, fixing and pleasing and overgiving. Now, I've had a couple of viral posts on if you're a giver, find another giver to love because it's not your pathology, it's your nature. It is one's nature to give if giving is something that you do without the expectation of something in return. Meaning the very act of giving and making someone happy fills you up so much. But when we overgive and please, that is coming from a very specific belief system that says, if I give more, if I capitulate more, if I nurture more, if I please more, if I sacrifice more, then I will be loved. That was something that was likely modeled to you growing up. So we ha- all have a conglomerate of influences that have conditioned us to be who we are today, specifically when it comes to our belief system. One of those influences, besides culture and society, which is very strong, is childhood. If you believed growing up, if your perception was, if I just fix everything and make everyone happy, then I'll be good enough. Then I'll be the good girl or I'll be the good boy. And then you take that into adulthood. And then that's how you are in your romantic relationships. And then you start to notice, hey, this is not actually giving me more love. And then you get to be pissed at your partner and feel resentful and angry at them. And then maybe that leads you down a road of, you know, wanting to pull away and withhold your love. I'm outlining a very common pattern. So the overgiving, the fixing, and the pleasing eventually turns us into angry, bitter, resentful, mean partners. And part of the pain of that is like, well, what the hell? Why why am I not loved for that? Because when you are giving to get, it is hard for the person who's receiving that to really feel like you're giving from a place that's in your heart. And so when you're just constantly giving to get, and you're not giving to yourself, it makes you less attractive because one of the most attractive things is is watching someone and being around someone who knows how to give to themselves isn't just trying every strategy that they have in their book from childhood to get love. Not to mention the fact that sometimes when you're giving to get, people can really feel that. They can feel that you're trying to please me and that's got something to do with like mom and dad and childhood. 
And what's really going to make me happy is if you actually give to yourself. And look, you know, the overgiver is not someone who always becomes resentful or is always giving to get. It's just, it's a slippery slope. We are attracted to people who know how to give to themselves. Now, that's very different than selfishness. When we give to ourselves and then we give from a full cup, that's when we are being loving. That's when others feel very loved by us. This is a very common belief system that's shared between women and men, actually, from society is just, if I just give more as a boy, you know, I'm a good boy. For women, it's if I nurture more, if I sacrifice more, then I'm a good girl. But it's so important. This is a really common narrative. And it's not actually what gets us love. And it's actually not the thing that originally magnetized your partner to you physically, energetically. Yes, they may have been magnetized to your compassion and the fact that you really are a giver and your generosity. These are very attractive things. But when it becomes pathological, pathology is when we're constantly doing that to prove our worthiness and we're burnt out not giving to ourselves. So I think what underlies that all of that is just the lack of confidence. I'll talk to, about confidence in a little bit. So fixing more, pleasing more, giving more, nurturing more, trying to be someone's therapist or healer or coach or mother, this leads me to number three. Trying to fix all your partner's problems, trying to be their therapist, trying to heal them, mothering them is a form of control. It's totally unconscious. And we don't want to do that and they don't want it either. And for some people, it's a real pattern. And it never, it might make the two of you very dependent on one another, but it's not going to be good for the bedroom. No one no one wants to be healed by their significant other. You know, no one wants them to be, you know, their coach or their therapist. I mean, yes, there are some people who will fall into that pattern of, like I said, depending on their partner for that. But at the end of the day, we all need the privilege that it, to work on our own problems. And what we want is a partner who supports us, but not one who's going to try to fix us or control us. Once we start being like a parent to our partner, it's over because no one wants to sleep with their parent. Part of what I'm talking about is sort of the codependent conundrum, if you will. And that's just being able to step back, lean back, let your partner have their problems, get more comfortable with their discomfort, which might take time, but at first, you just have to, you have to learn how to support rather than mother or father. How can I support you? What can I do for you? Rather than you need to do A, B, C, D, and E. Follow my instructions and then this will work out. In those moments, you change the dynamic of your relationship 
And now you're no longer like on an even plane. You've got you as the parent and them as the teenager. And that really messes with attraction. So you've got number one, stress. Number two, the fixing, pleasing, overgiving, nurturing more, thinking, why aren't they loving more? Because I'm giving more because you're not actually giving to yourself. And what's really attractive is you giving to yourself and then coming home to your partner all filled up, giving from a place that's not sacrificial all the time. And then number three, no more mothering, controlling, fathering, you know, being your partner's therapist or healer or fixer. And number four, neediness. Now, there's an interesting debate that I have been seeing for a while now in the social media psychology world, which is there's no such thing as neediness. It's just your needs are not being met. I disagree 100%. Sure, neediness could be as a result of your needs not being met. But that's on you to ask for what it is that you need. And it could also be a symptom that that you're in a relationship with the wrong person and you're starting to feel needy because you're not getting any of your needs met despite all your efforts. So that, sure, that exists. But real neediness exists. And I think probably the most Im- impactful quote that I've ever heard on this topic that really nails it is by Eric Fromm. And he says, immature love says, I love you because I need you. And what's implied in that is mature love is, I need you because I love you. And I'll say that again. Immature love says, I love you because I need you. Mature love is, I need you because I love you. You know, when we're infants, we love because we need. We can't give to ourselves. When we're children, we are operating from need. We are a species that cannot take care of ourselves when we're children. We just can't. And our prefrontal cortex is not developed. It's difference between male and females, but around the age of 25. So Learning how to really take care of ourselves is something that starts to happen in the 20s. So neediness is loving someone because they need them. Now, let me talk about, let me break this down a little bit more. Neediness is also the constant fixation on what's missing. And I see this all the time. When I've worked with individuals and them telling me about what their problem is in their relationship, and when I worked with couples, what I see so common is neediness, and that's the constant fixation on what is missing. They have to be a certain way in order for your cup to be filled. Instead of seeing what's already there, never being happy because they have to be a certain way in order for you to be happy. And if you're truly unhappy in your relationship, that needs to be addressed. But there's a habit. Remember, I talked about this being a pattern. First and foremost, there is a very common pattern of focusing on what is missing rather than appreciating what's there. And the more we focus on what's missing, the needier we become. Because like I said, then we're saying, 
You have to be a certain way. You have to change. You have to alter yourself in order for me to feel filled up and happy. And when we depend on our partner having to be a certain way in order for us to be happy and we remain in the relationship, we become needy versus getting out if you truly can't accept them and for reasons that might be extremely valid or, oh my God, I've fallen into this habit of relying on them for my happiness, relying on them for my security, relying on them to be perfect relying on them to never make a mistake, relying on them to always be the perfect partner that I projected onto them. That reliance, that over-reliance lends itself to a neediness inside. It's basically, then we get into a state where we say to ourselves, I can't find happiness within. I can't find happiness in this relationship because they have to be perfect. So that is really important to understand because I don't know anyone who hasn't actually fallen into this before. And I see it a lot with women, but I also see it with men. There's always something in a couple that's struggling in some way where there isn't actually something really wrong in the relationship. There's the constant fixation on what's missing. So how does that impact someone's attraction? If you feel like you constantly have to change to please your partner, if they're constantly focusing on what's missing and they're nitpicking and you feel like nothing I ever do will make them happy, you start to feel disconnected from them. You start to feel unmotivated to meet their needs and you start to feel less attracted to them. Not to mention, if you're the one who's always focusing on what's missing, How are you going to actually be attracted to them? Because part of what keeps attraction alive is being able to look at our partner and appreciate the mystery that they are, as opposed to just assuming we know everything about them. Appreciating the same things that we did in the very beginning. Oh, I love that this person brings me a glass of water every morning. You know, we start to look at our partner and we start to think that they're a given rather than a gift. And the moment we start, and this is just the law of familiarity, we have to be very strong and we have to fight against it so that it doesn't take over. But once we allow the law of familiarity to poison our relationship, we stop appreciating and then we're like, oh, I'm not that attracted to them. So this is big. Another cause of neediness is, like I said, loving someone because you need them, meaning You don't have enough security on your own. You haven't figured out ways to access joy on your own. You can't actually meet your core needs. Now, we all have needs in a relationship, of course, but you don't know how to access, like I said, joy on your own. You don't know how to find stability in your life outside of the relationship. Maybe you haven't fostered other relationships like key friendships and family members. Maybe you feel sort of unmotivated in life in general. And so you're deferring to your partner to be the person who injects life into you, right? When we don't actually meet our needs and we make the other person unconsciously responsible for all of that, we become needy. And when we become needy, we're not appreciative. They start to lose attraction to us and we start to lose attraction to them. So it's a dead end street. I want to talk about over-relying on someone for validation and security. Now, 
validation is an important part of a relationship. Reassurance is a beautiful and important part of a relationship. We will at times need to feel reassured. I mean, what is more human than having moments where we are afraid that the person we love doesn't love us back? I mean, that is just that what is more human than that? But there's a line. If you're constantly needing reassurance, of course, one could be that you're in a relationship with someone who's pulling away a lot, who isn't making you feel safe, right? Who isn't reciprocating love. So that, so always needing reassurance could be that for sure your needs are not being met in the relationship. But then there's the neediness part, which is regardless of who you're in a relationship with, you're constantly needing reassurance because you love them, because you need them, because you haven't learned how to meet your needs. And so the thought of not being with them feels like you have to go back to a life where you don't know how to access joy. And that is the difference between reassurance coming from a very human place of sometimes feeling insecure. That's a difference between needing reassurance because you're in the relationship with someone who's really just does not make you feel safe. It's unhealthy. And then the difference of always needing reassurance because you're over-relying on someone for validation and security because there is a neediness inside of you that needs to be healed. And I know that sometimes it can be sort of hard to distinguish. But those are like the three things to think about. It's like, oh, I'm feeling a little insecure. I'm feeling a little insecure because I haven't seen my loved one. I haven't seen my partner that much this month. We've been really busy. So I don't feel as connected. So what I need is the reassurance of knowing that we are still very much connected. And you can just say that versus, you know, they ignore my texts you know, they're always shutting down. They don't communicate with me. They never tell me that I'm beautiful or they never compliment me. They don't want to spend that much time with me. You know, then it's like, okay, that's the insecurity of something is not right in this relationship and maybe something's never been right in this relationship and I need reassurance. And like I said, versus, wow, like is any amount of reassurance going to actually make me feel secure? Or is this a pattern that I have in my romantic relationships where all of a sudden I just become like this insecure little child that needs them to parent me? Don't feel bad if that's you, but this is how you can distinguish between these three types of needing for reassurance. And by the way, that's what you would say is just say, we haven't seen much of each other lately. I'm feeling a little disconnected. I would imagine you're feeling that too. I would really love the reassurance that we're still you know, connected. Can we spend some time together? I need a hug. I need an I love you. I need some quality time from you. I guess I'm feeling a little, you don't even have to say I'm feeling a little insecure. Just say I'm feeling a little disconnected. I would love to, you know, I need to feel like we are more, like we're connected. What do you think? And if you're with someone who's, you know, quote unquote, right for you, they're going to be like, oh my God, yeah, let's do that. Because giving reassurance in those moments is our responsibility in a relationship constantly having to validate someone because they can't validate themselves and they're always insecure. And then you're feeling like you are responsible for them. That's going 
to break down attraction. And then number five, not having any purpose, passion, or direction. And I, this is very hard because I think that, you know, sometimes we go through stages of life where we feel lost and that is perfectly okay. And that doesn't make you less attractive. And that certainly is not an excuse for anyone to be less attracted to you. But when we stop doing the things that make us feel alive and passionate and purposeful, and we're in a relationship, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing overall. But one of the things that we have to do when we're in a relationship is take care of ourselves. Because when we take care of ourselves, we take care of the relationship. When we take care of ourselves, we sustain passion. If we all of a sudden just stop engaging with things that are important to us, and I'm not talking about going through a depression or going through a hard time. I'm just talking about, I don't know, a pattern of sort of disengaging, of not making that a priority in your life. Part of what magnetized you to someone and them to you is that you were embodied. You had things that were important to you that was not about them. You had things that lit you up. You directed your energy into people, places, and things and activities that gave your life and your heart and your soul a sense of meaning. And that makes you magnetic. And so if you stop doing that, which is also a manifestation of not filling your cup and giving to yourself, that is going to decrease physical attraction in the relationship. It just is. Because we are most attracted to people when we see them like in their element shining, when we see them not needing us, not loving us because they need us. And by the way, it's really sexy to feel needed because we're loved. That's a whole different ballgame. It's like, wow, they love me so much that they need me to be in their lives. I add value to their lives. I make their lives better. They make my lives better. That's different than, oh my God, they have nothing going on. They're not filling their cup. This is going on day after day, month after month, week after week, year after year. And here I am just, you know, looking at this person who's not really the person who I fell in love with. So re-engaging in the things that give your life meaning, re-engaging in the relationships and friendships that give your life meaning, re-engaging in the activities that give your life meaning is really important, not just for the health of the relationship as a whole, but for the health of your physical life together. It doesn't even matter. It could be the smallest, most ridiculous activity that we're engaging in. But if we are totally passionate about it and we are, and our partner is looking at us, it's a very beautiful moment. It's, wow, cool. I'm looking at this person who really is a mystery, who really is autonomous, who really has that life inside of them. And we're not thinking that consciously, but that is what's going on. So want to just go back to a cause of neediness, which is not asking for what you need. It is really important to ask for what you need. I really wanted to say that because when we don't ask for what we need, we become needy. 
we become resentful. We become blaming. We start to feel like victims in the relationship, which leads to a lot of stress. And then lo and behold, we are unconsciously impacting the strength of our relationship because we haven't learned yet how to ask for what we need. So these are all things to reflect on. I really want to encourage all of you and to motivate and inspire all of you to give to yourselves as much as you give to your partner. It's not about being selfish, but remember, if you give from an empty cup, things start to go to hell pretty quickly. If you give from a full cup, you inject levity and life into your relationship because you're injecting it into yourself. Breaking the pattern of mothering, controlling, trying to fix your partner, turning them into your teenager in any way or your patient or your client. Neediness. I would definitely listen to my episode, How to Actually Love Yourself and Raise Your Self-Esteem. I want to quote unquote normalize neediness. I think that this is something that we've all felt in a relationship before and in our lives before. It's nothing to feel ashamed about, but it is something that we need to bring attention to. It's something that I have definitely needed to, I had to do an an entire internal renovation and revolution to not bring that into a relationship. And it can be a really big, can really mess with our minds because you can be so not like that in all areas of your life. And then once you're in a relationship, these tendencies start to come up and then you wonder why have things changed? And this might be the neediness conversation might be a, an episode all onto itself. But learning how to meet your needs, very important, all in the how to actually love yourself and raise your self-esteem episode. Over-relying on someone for validation and security, right? The three types of reassurance. The human part of reassurance is just feeling disconnected, being vulnerable, needing to be reassured of the love that's there, giving that reassurance. And that can be a very bonding thing versus being in a relationship with someone, it's toxic, it's unhealthy, you're not getting your needs met, they cannot meet your needs, and so you're feeling very insecure, versus always feeling insecure and always needing your partner to change and be a certain way in order for you to feel secure. And then disengaging in the things that give our lives meaning. Here's the thing. All of this seems like, let me do this so that someone doesn't lose their attraction to me. No. We do this because when we work on these things, and we're all a work in progress, but when we pay attention to these things, what we are doing first and foremost is paying attention to the relationship we have with ourselves. Because if we're constantly fixing and pleasing to get love, if we're constantly stressed, if we're constantly feeling like we need to control, if we're feeling like we're loving because we need if we're constantly needing validation, we don't feel good. So at the end of the day, what keeps attraction alive is doing the things and working with the therapist or doing whatever we need to do and learning how to communicate differently so that we can feel good. Because when we feel good, we feel stronger. We feel all the things that actually makes us attractive from an energy level, physical level, emotional level, just all across the board. And so I thought this was important and I would love to hear your comments on this. I'd love to hear your questions on this to see if I should do a sort of Q&A follow-up on this because this is a, you know, big topic. 
And this episode was about the unconscious patterns that every single one of us have in romantic relationships that impact our ability to sustain physical attraction with one another. This is not a topic that I see being tackled by many because it's a difficult thing, but this podcast and my work is forced and foremost looking in the mirror and being the best version of ourselves and really healing the relationship we have with ourselves and suffering less in our romantic relationships. So again, please share this with everyone and anyone who you think could benefit from this. You just don't know whose relationship you can be saving. You just don't know whose life and love life you could be saving. You just never know. Please go to Apple or Spotify. Give this five stars. I'd appreciate it so much. If you have any questions about this or any requests for episode, contact me at hello at jillianonlove.com. And I thank you for listening. Until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan Countshouse, edited in music by Will Tendy. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.